Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. In the squadron, they called him bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, I guess welcome back to the world, Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo went around, went away for, um, it wasn't quite long enough. Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, his show. I wonder if his new show on something called News Nation, which exists somewhere on your cable dial somewhere or on the internet, internet or something, but uh, he's back. He's got a show, and Dan Abrams talked to him, and uh, what is there to say? I don't really... You know, I'm not going to watch his show. I didn't watch his show. The only thing I'll say about Chris Cuomo is um, I wasn't appalled and I wasn't surprised that he was defending his brother during all of that stuff. I just wasn't. Now, his brother needed to leave office. Uh, The moment I found out that that guy got $6 million for a book while he was governor, that's when I knew he needed to go. And, yes, the COVID shenanigans were very, very weird as well. You know, and when he tr- said thanks, but no thanks to Trump, just trying to diss him when he told those uh, uh, U.S. Navy uh, hospital ships to go away. Uh, that's it. I have no use for a Cuomo ever again. But, but, but these phony allegations of sexual abuse. I'm telling you, fellas, even if you don't like the Cuomos, watch out. They can do the same thing to you. If they can get away with it with the liberal, they can get away with it with you. You know, the real target of all that stuff is actually Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden is Joe Biden is under duress. He's being held hostage, maybe. He's not in charge. Uh, he, they could turn on him in a moment, and he's got to do what the far left wants or else. You know, we all had Cuomo for governor for how long was it, 10 years, something like that? Did you ever see him, really? For all the, hello, I am the governor. I mean, you know, there are a lot of things to not like about him. But did you ever see him grope somebody? Did you ever see him sniff somebody? Did you ever see him? No. You know what? Unlike Biden, girls actually like this guy. They did. They would throw themselves at him. It happens. It happens. Um, We didn't see Cuomo do anything. We didn't. But we've all seen Joe Biden sniff, grope, smell. And if they can get Cuomo... (laughs) On that stuff, you know they can get Biden on that stuff. And they also got uh, Chris Cuomo on that stuff. Remember some woman came out from, uh, used to work with him like in the 90s, said uh, he made me feel uncomfortable, he assaulted. I I don't buy it. I just don't believe it. And it is impossible to defend yourself from this stuff. Impossible. One of his bosses said he grabbed me on the ass in 19, was it 2005 or 1995, a long time ago. Absolutely impossible to defend yourself. And a lot of folks, by the way, they just want, I used to find it to be a bit of a cliche. Oh, they just want their 15 minutes of fame. Well, these days it's 15 seconds. And they do want it. And not only the fame, the potential for money, the potential for relevance, the potential to be on the view. Um, That motivates a lot of people, including Cassidy Hutchinson. Oh, boy, did you see my show last night? I have the receipts. 
She was texting up a storm after January 6th, complaining about Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger. These people are fools. They've got big effing egos. She's got quite the mouth on her, this one. She's always using the F word. And, hey, I can be a profane man. But to this day, I find it a little, is it sexist? Is it double standard? Of course it is. But when I hear a woman use the F word, like, to me, and if I don't know her well, or, you know, just like saying it, you know, we got to make sure that this is effing on time. I'm like, okay, excuse me? No, I don't like that. I don't say that, but that's what I think. Yes, I have a double standard. I can deal with it with from men, although men probably shouldn't say it. Um, women shouldn't. She's saying it to everybody, to this guy, Tony, that she likes at the office, who's giving her all this gossip. Anyway, she's texting away, telling all of her friends that the January 6th committee is nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. I've got nothing to say. And look at her now. She is the heroine, the darling of the left. All right. So, yes, believe it or not, women will make up stuff for fame, relevance, and most importantly, money. There is big cash flowing around right now. Oh, yes, there is. Just ask, oh, what's that woman's name? She used to be a beauty queen. Uh, she was on Fox for a long time. Uh, she wrote a book that nobody read. Uh, not much of a broadcaster. Gretchen Carlson. Gretchen Carlson. Now, I think she made up horrible things about Roger Ailes. I actually know she did. She lied about Roger Ailes. And somebody somewhere in that company used her lies for their benefit because they did, wanted Roger out. Unfortunately, this is how it works in corporate America. You know, they never just sit you down and say, you know what, you've been great, everything's worked out great, but, you know, sometime in the next six months or so, we, you know, we want to we bring this to a close. We want to move on. We want, you know, you to feel good. We want to feel good. No. They got to come at you with trumped up charges, and that's what they did to Roger Rails. That guy made the place. If you look at all of the allegations against Roger Rails, you know what the worst is? He said... To some woman, allegedly, you know, we should have had a sexual relationship. Those exact words. We should have had a sexual relationship. I don't think any man in the history of manhood has ever said we should have had a sexual relationship. I can see somebody saying, you know, we should have hooked up. I could even see somebody saying, you know, we should have had sex. But to say, you know, you and I should have had a sexual relationship. I don't know. No. And I've heard Roger speak, and I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think she's a liar. Oh, and where do liars go? They usually get a job guest hosting The View. Uh, they all go through that. And Cassidy Hutchinson, you will be next. All right, so is there anything else to say about Cuomo? Not real. Oh, one other thing about Fox. Um, Newsmax last night or yesterday afternoon, we took the entire speech of Trump when he spoke uh, before the America First Political Action Committee, is that what it's called now? This pro-Trump, pro-America uh, policy group. And I actually got worried when I heard this. Uh, da, 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 da. At one point he said, the next Republican president will have to work on that. And I'm like, wait a second, what did he just say? Whoa, 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 whoa. You're the next Republican president, aren't you? And uh, yeah, he actually uh, he actually hinted that he might be coming back. And I like this. Cut 39. They want to damage you in any form, but they really want to damage me so I can no longer go back to work for you. 
And I don't think that's going to happen. I love it. Hey, by the way, what would you rather watch? A speech by Donald Trump or a speech by Mike Pence? (laughs) Who's a more interesting, compelling figure? Who's more newsworthy? Who's more interesting? Who's who's better for ratings? Trump, no doubt about it. So why did Fox News yesterday take 10 minutes of Vice President Pence boring everybody to death? You know, Pence has no future in national politics, in my opinion. No future. Maybe he could get himself elected to something in Indiana, but he ain't going to be elected president of the United States. He doesn't have it. He's too wooden. He's too stiff. He's also a bit of a fraidy cat. He's too self-righteous. And uh, he, doesn't ha- he doesn't have the smarts and the intellectual dexterity. He faked us, uh, he faked us all out. You know, January 6th, there was a lot of discretion there. And, you know, if he were going to just rubber stamp the Electoral College and send people uh, into major disappointment, well, he could have prepared people for that. In the days leading up to January 6th, he's like, I I know how you feel about this election. And come January 6th, we'll all have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll debate the issues. Well, a lot of people took that to mean, uh, wow, he's really going to exercise this Electoral Count Act of 1887, and no, he was just going to rubber stamp everything. I actually thought at the time, you know what, he's choosing his words very carefully there. And, um, well, you know how it all worked out. It's not over yet, though. It's uh, what's not over exactly. Well, election issues still are percolating up. You know, Trump said the other night that um, uh, he didn't want to say the election was over. Uh, where is that, by the way? Uh, you remember when he, when he was rehearsing? You got to do that. You got to you got to rehearse. Otherwise, you come off like Joe Biden. Hey, Joe Biden, by the way, is covered recovered from COVID. He's all better. And you know where he spent most of his convalescence on that balcony. They call it the Truman Balcony, right outside the residence of the White House. He was out there making phone calls, petting the dog, telling everybody about his. COVID journey without a mask on. And um, do you remember when Donald Trump dared take his mask off after he came home, after he was recovered from COVID? He did. He goes up to that balcony. He's all alone, and he takes the mask off. Listen to how the fake news freaked out. Cut 48. That is very much still a president who has coronavirus. Despite the lights and the flags and the staged entrance that the president wants to create, he still has coronavirus. It's unexplainable that the president of the United States, who's actively shedding virus in, in millions of particles, would walk into that building which, with the enormous number of staff unmasked, shedding virus in the air in that building. The man who was rushed to the hospital in a helicopter just three days ago, facing COVID-19, which is a death sentence for a lot of people. Uh, taking his mask off and standing and posing for pictures on the balcony of the residence. And now Joe Biden is sitting and posing for pictures with his dog. There he was without a mask on. The hypocrisy is absolutely stunning. It is amazing. It is wild. How do these people deal with themselves? Um, how do they? Well, one of the re- one of the things they don't actually deal with themselves. They are so superficial. They are so phony. They're like the worst of the worst in high school. Remember the popular group in high school? 
Remember how bitchy and nasty they could be and, you know, just just mean. They're mean. And they didn't. It's like, how much did that group care about English class or social studies as an issue? You know, they may have wanted to get a good grade, but they didn't really care about anything other than status. And that's like that's like um, Lester Holt. Hey, Merrick Garland has got to be the wimpiest guy ever. You ever see this guy? He's the attorney general and he is a wimp. And the left, they are badgering him day in and day out. They want him to indict Trump. And just looking at the optics, I think this guy, who even though he wears a regular tie, kind of looks like he's wearing a bow tie. He's just a bow tie type of guy. Uh, But Merrick Garland, trying to talk tough, cut five last night to the fake news. Is Donald Trump in trouble? Cut five. You said in no uncertain terms the other day that no one is above the law. That said, the indictment of a former president, of perhaps candidate for president, would arguably tear the country apart. Is that your concern as you make your decision down the road here? Look, we pursue justice without fear or favor. We intend to hold everyone, anyone who was criminally responsible for events surrounding January 6th or any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to another accountable. That's what we do. We don't pay any attention to other issues with respect to that. So if Donald Trump were to become a candidate for president again, that would not change your schedule or how you move forward or don't move forward? Say again that uh, we will hold accountable anyone who is criminally responsible for attempting to interfere with the transfer, legitimate lawful transfer of power from one administration to the next. Oh, boy, they're going to they're what the hell are they going to do? What are they going to do? Hey, when we come back, this video, I think, is just as important, if not more important, than the George Floyd video. I'm talking about that cop who's getting beaten up by that punk in the subway who's already out of jail and bragging to friends about the whole thing. Be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, ever see Catch Me... Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio. He plays um, a, a kid, an 18-year-old kid who dresses up as an airline pilot, cons Pan Am, and flies all over the world, even though he can't fly. He flies in the jump seat, you know, and he uh, he's passing bad checks, and it's kind of interesting. He's hooking up with beautiful women, and he wears those Pan Am clothes. What's another movie featuring uh, airline pilots? Flight with Denzel Washington. He played a very convincing, uh, very convincing portrayal of an airline pilot who happened to be drunk all the time, um, and that's what Eric Adams kind of reminds me of—a guy who looks the part. Boy, oh boy, he looks great, right? But like one of those pretend pilots, has no idea what to do. If you take a kid and put him in a pilot's suit, give him a pilot's hat, put him in a pilot's uniform, and sit him in the pilot's seat, you can take a picture of him. And he'll look fantastic. He'll look, oh, wow, that looks like a really impressive pilot. But he doesn't know how to press the buttons. He doesn't know how to fly. He doesn't know what any of those switches actually do or mean. That's what we have in Eric Adams. He is an observer. He is a, a guy who's just shooting off his mouth because that's all he's ever done. That's what he did as a cop. You can look it up. Back in the 90s, you know what he would do? Pal around with Al Sharpton and go to press conferences. What did he do as borough president? You didn't vote in the Board of Estimate. We don't have that anymore. He just went around trying to do favors for friends and raise money for himself. 
shooting his mouth off. Maybe have somebody else write some letters to agencies. Again, all about favors. Do me a favor, I'll do you a favor. Don't solve problems, just complain about them. Eric Adams does not know. He's like a child in a cockpit. Think of that. A child in a in an airplane has no idea. You know, being mayor, you, you, you have to know something about power, humanity, um, how this city works on a deep level, you know, how to actually get things done, how to move. You don't just sit around and complain about Kathy Hochul all day long. You know, that's what that's what we do. <laughs> you want to grab a microphone, fine. But you're the mayor, man. You've got 300,000 people working for you. You've got a police force of 50,000. And you're just complaining all day long. You don't know how to do anything. And by the way, what they're really screwing up is the deployment of the cops on the subway. So right now the policy is if you've got spare time, officer so-and-so, check out the subway. But only if you have spare time and you're not otherwise occupied. I am not riding the subway. I urge everyone, if you can, to avoid the subway. A confined area. Bad things happen down there. Criminals feel emboldened. They don't respect cops. Do you think they're going to respect you? Did you see that poor cop getting beaten up, essentially, by that that guy? Fascinating. You know, they shoot Ashley Babbitt, and they say it's a totally justified shooting. She wasn't wrestling around with some cop. I mean, this cop, I mean, what if he felt like his gun could have been stolen? I could, you could make the case that he was entitled to shoot this guy. But uh, being, I don't think he wanted to be indicted. I don't think he wanted to spend the night in jail. So he had to risk his life the entire time. I guess he could not put this individual in a chokehold, but the individual put him in a chokehold. Really bad. And we got a mayor who does not, have a clue about what to do. None whatsoever. Uh, oh, we have the Chris Cuomo thing. Here's Chris Cuomo. Uh, do we care? Uh, let's hear what he has to say. Go ahead. Do the honors of telling us what is next in your TV career. Well, you are a part of my decision. I respect that you ask the questions. Um, I think that's how you show respect to our relationship, is that you didn't Fake the funk. You ask what needs to be asked. I respect you for that. Fake the funk. I respect how you do the job. I've been jealous of you while I have been away uh, watching. And I want to help. I want to find a way to help people. I'm going to come to News Nation, and I want to build something special here. Uh, Work with Dan. Work with the team here. They've got great people who are really hungry to make a difference in ways that I think Do you have a new show or what? Uh, I had decided that I can't go back uh, to what people see as the big game. I don't think I can make a difference there. I think we need insurgent media. I think we need outlets that aren't fringe and just trying to fill their pockets. Uh, Don't listen to anybody else. Only listen to me. Don't trust that when you hear it. I'm going to do the job. I'm going to go where the news is. And I'm going to try very hard to be fair. So pompous. And I want to do it here. I want to make a difference. And I'm really hoping that it makes a difference for you. Uh, And I thank News Nation very much for the opportunity. Oh, how beautiful. My goodness gracious. It's like he got sworn in as the prime minister of some country, giving his inaugural. You you got a show, an hour, on News Nation. Knock yourself out. What a pompous fool. Man, did he learn anything during his six months off? What's he talking about? People just want to line their pockets. Oh, you just want to do this out of the goodness of your heart, all right? I mean, 
maybe maybe you might just be a little bit interested in a paycheck. Oh, no, you're way above that, right? Oh, yeah, no, 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 you don't have to worry about that stuff. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. But um, after listening to that, do you really want to watch his show? Um, this has been my take on him. I've never liked him as a broadcaster. Only met him once or twice. Um, but I don't like it when... <laughs> I don't like it when my enemies, and I don't call them an enemy, but I don't like it when anybody is unfairly accused. And I never, well, did I, I knew somebody who knew Justice Kavanaugh really well. I liked the guy a lot. When they came at him, when they wanted him to withdraw his nomination just because a woman said something happened 40 years ago and she could not prove a lick of it. (laughs) If he went down, everybody was going down, man. Everybody could go down. I'm so glad he survived, but you just don't stick up for those you are in sync with politically or you like or you socialize with fairness and due process. That's America, huh? Anyway, good luck on his show, whatever the hell channel it's on. I'll be right back. Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, if anybody, anybody, anywhere, ever tells me their pronouns, has anybody ever had this in real life that somebody said, you know, my name is so-and-so and my pronouns are they, them, or he, she, or whatever the hell it is? Has anyone ever, I've only seen it on television. Yesterday we all saw Kamala Harris do it. Kamala Harris is sitting in front of uh, a room full of people, and she starts the proceedings this way, cut 64. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. Uh, my name is Greg. I am a cisgender heterosexual male. I am wearing a tan jacket and a black shirt, and my pronouns are shut the hell up. What the hell is she? It, it, boy, she really is on something. She's trying to pull this stuff. She's the vice president of the United States. There are a few people who need no introduction. I would hope the vice president of the United States is one of them. And what's up with telling everybody what color your suit is? What color? What? She's not the first one to do this. I saw it on television once, Microsoft. They were having some stupid webinar at Microsoft, and the woman gets up there and, you know, my name is Holly. I am a, I am a she, he, or a she, her. What the hell? She was a she. She was a she. I saw that she was a she. And then she tells everybody she's wearing a maroon tank top. And then she asks the Indians for forgiveness. No kidding. She asks the Indians for forgiveness because, uh, I don't know, 10,000 years ago, it was the land of somebody else or it's just crazy, crazy stuff. We do not have time for this political correctness. This is not even politically correct. This is this is wrong. And a lot of the stuff they're actually getting at and trying to, they actually don't know what they're talking about. Just like climate change, by the way. You look at their background. You look at John Kerry's background. He doesn't know anything about that. This is just a scam for him to feel important, to fly around on jets, to check out the girls in Switzerland. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. People like Bono, U2, uh, Richard Branson, that club, 
you know, you can't just get together and talk. What are you going to talk about? You know, you can't talk about making money. That's that's outre. You can't do that. You got to you got to pretend you got to dress it up. You got to put it behind some facade and the ultimate facade right now of the moment. Climate change. And they don't know anything about it. You know, Joe Biden went to, did he go to Delaware State or University of Delaware? One of those schools and barely graduated from Syracuse Law School. You can look all through his background. He's never taken a course in meteorology. He has no idea what's going on. Yes, people come to him and brief him on things. And if you leave a check, you can get him to say one thing or the other. You can get him to talk about something or not talk about something, whatever you want. If you write a check, that's how it works for all these guys. The, the ultimate, though, is if you give him a ride on a private jet. I've actually been on a private jet. It's not all that. It really isn't. It's just I feel cramped, number one. The fuselage is very it's tight. A lot of times you can't totally stand up. you got to crouch a little bit. And um, I don't know. I don't like the one-on-one relationship with the flight attendant. You know, they're staring at you the entire flight, one person. I'd rather have them worry about 100 people rather than just me. Um, look, I went on one private jet once as a stunt for Good Day New York. Rosanna and I went up to Westchester. We took off from Westchester. We got all dressed up. We brought the cameras, and uh, we took off from Westchester, flew to Albany, didn't land, and came back to Westchester. It was a cool experience, but I wouldn't sell my soul for private jet access, okay? And a lot of these people do. That's the big—I heard it from a very knowledgeable guy in politics who's worked at the highest level. And I'm like, what is it with all the money and what what really drives these people? And he's like, you want to know the secret to everything? I'm like, yeah, sure. Who's going to say no? Private jets. They all want private jets. They want access to them. They want them for themselves. They'll do anything. And, you know, these corporations, they actually can give senators rides on their corporate jets. Doesn't that sound like it should be illegal? Hey, you know who used to do that? Barack Obama. As a brand new senator from Illinois, He was flying around on corporate private jets. How the hell can you explain that? Hmm? And what's really, I mean, nobody likes flying coach. Although it's really not that bad. I know, I know, I know. Delays at the airport, that kind of thing. But you think about it for a little bit. You know what I do? I put my body on droop. I just go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. One thing you can do. And it's the kind of thing you're like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do this. But you never get around to it and you never think about it again until you're back at the airport. TSA PreCheck. TSA PreCheck is a dream. It is the it's the way to go. Uh, The line is a lot shorter. You don't have to take your shoes off and uh, you go right through. All right. uh, Let's see. We've got Jacqueline in Brooklyn. Yes. Hello. Greg, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I want to just bring something to your listening audience, to their attention, Mm. and it might be something that you might want to consider covering either on your radio program or on your Newsmax program. Um, Right now, the whole world is focused on what's going on in Russia with the invasion of Ukraine, but there's been one of the deadliest conflicts in Ethiopia where over half a million Christians have been killed. And not only is it a humanitarian issue, but it's also um, a a strategic issue that the United States should really be addressing because Russia and China and all of those uh, types of countries that want to take control, they're looking to control the Red Sea by the Horn of Africa. Hold on a second. Um, Did you say a half million Ethiopian Christians have been killed? 
in the past two years. Two years? 500,000? Yep. yep. Coincidentally, since Biden, since the election in November. And not only that, their prime minister has cut off all communication, all fuel supply, all food supply. All right, who's killing, who's killing these Christians? And by the way, this is horrifying, if true. I, I've heard, you know, I knew al-Qaeda uh, and ISIS were, I, I saw a video once years ago of they, they were persecuting and, and decapitating the heads of Christians um, in the Horn of Africa. I haven't heard about it lately. So who's killing who? Believe it or not, this is this is being promoted by the federal government of Ethiopia. The prime minister himself has allowed forces from Eritrea um, to come into the country um, and stifle these these Christians. They're mostly Orthodox Christians, but they're also some Evangelical Christians and also some Catholics. And no one knows about it. Nobody is really talking about it. I saw this on one of the Christian news programs. So let me uh, let me look at this. Let me run this by you. UN rights chief denounces Christian Muslim violence in Ethiopia. Uh, the UN human rights chief has voiced alarm at a recent deadly clashes between Muslims and Orthodox Christians in Ethiopia. Called on authorities to investigate. Uh, deeply distressed by the violence they are that erupted last month in northern Ethiopia, reportedly killing at least 30 people and injuring 100 others. Uh, The clashes began again. Okay, so this is Muslims versus Christians. The Islamic Affairs Council of Amhara said the funeral of a Muslim elder had been attacked, describing the scene as a massacre by heavily armed extremist Christians. All right, this is being told by one side, it looks like. I understand two mosques were, born, were burnt and another two partially destroyed, but they come back. In the apparent retaliatory attacks that followed, two Orthodox Christian men were burnt to death. Another man hacked to death, and five churches burned down. My God, this is going on in our world right now. Hard to believe. In all, police had reportedly arrested and imprisoned at least 578 people in the last in at least four cities in connection with the clashes. You know, I've been to Eritrea. Uh, Beautiful people. Mysterious kind of country. It used to be a region of Ethiopia, part of Ethiopia. Now it's its own country. Um, Man, let me see here. Such violence in Ethiopia is not new. In 2019, authorities arrested five people suspected of burning down four mosques. All right, so there's a lot of tension between the Muslims and the Christians. Um, 500,000 does seem like a lot. Are you sure about that number? Program. What? So, I, I, I mean, if you'd like, what I can do is I can give the details to your producer, and if you want to look into it, and if you well, producer- you're talking to the producer right now. I got other producers here as well, but I am, uh, uh, you know, I can handle this. I am going to look into it. Thank you very much for bringing it to our attention. Uh, I can see how these stories do get swept under the rug, and everybody's looking in a million different directions. And quite frankly, uh, let's face it: there's a lot of Christian hostility in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. also a lot of Christian apathy among Christians, among people who say they're Christians. You know, well, you know, we don't want to we don't want to be uh, bothersome, we don't want to trouble anybody, we don't want to hmm. so but this I got to tell you, I have not I, I need to know more about it. I will uh, I will take a I'll take a hard look at it. This is crazy. And um you know, Africa is a crazy place though, you know? Yeah. 
Um, if you want to take a look at the program, you can look it up online. This was from CenterPoint this past Monday, the 25th of July. So you can see the whole program for yourself and, and the woman that happens to be here in the United States in Denver who is from a region in Ethiopia called Tigray. Um, and her, she still has family in that region, and, you know, this is of concern All right. I will check it out. I will check it out. I am on it, Jacqueline. I will not let this slip away. And, uh, wow, Ethiopian Christians got enough problems in Ethiopia. And what I mean about, you know, crazy stuff in Africa, I, y- you think? I mean, they are horrendous. Look at the paper. Look at the international papers. You know, you've got these ama- these clashes. Boku Haram. Hey, remember when they kidnapped all those girls? They basically never found the girls. Uh, there's that continent is totally out of not totally out of control, but vast portions of it seem to be totally out of control. Thank you, Jacqueline, very much. Um, and meantime, what are we doing here? We've got Ethiopian Christians being slaughtered, and what what was it that Kamala Harris was getting at again? Cut sixty four. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. When you start a meeting like that, if you ever start a meeting like that in my presence, I think I'm going to just get up and walk out the door. There's nothing that she could say of consequence in that meeting. I guarantee you it was about some uh, gender, uh, transgender awareness, sensitivity crap. All right? This country, for a long time, we did amazing, big things. And now we are still obsessed with where people go to the bathroom and the three transgenders in the entire country. How many legitimate transgender people are there? I mean legitimate. Very small number. Very small. Hey, by the way, I'll, you know, at the same time, you know, I sound pretty blunt about this stuff, and I do think it's a waste of time. I do think we have to I, – I don't condone sexism. <laughs> Sometimes people throw that word around very loosely. That's why earlier I said, yeah, call me a sexist if I'm not comfortable with the, the he, she pronouns all the time and everybody telling me what to say. But what was up with Eric Adams when he, you know, in trying to explain away – how screwed up the city is. Uh, listen to this. Uh, where is this? Where is this? Uh, hey, Matt, I don't think you got the right thing here. Uh, is prepared for the moment. Uh, all right, cut 34 here. Cut 34. I'm prepared for this moment. I built a great team. We are meeting these challenges as they come. And uh, I'm just thankful that I'm here to serve this city and the entire team. My five uh, women deputy mayors have uh, led from the front. And, you know, I never hear them complaining. Um, they're always coming up with new ways of solving the problems that we face, and monkeypox is a problem. We vaccinated several New Yorkers uh, because of our advocacy. We received a thousand more. Almost 90% of the cases in this state is in New York City. And so this is, once again, we were the, we're the epicenter again of um, dealing with monkeypox. And we're going to reach the challenge, meet the challenge and uh, move forward with it. You sure you can meet the challenge? You can't even say that. You can't even utter it. Um, now the thing that caught our eye here, got our attention is when he said his five deputy mayors, all women didn't complain. Oh, why does he think women are apt to complain or complain about what? And, you know, just because this is where he's got to like, I think he needs some humility, a lot of it. 
You know, that last portion, yeah, it's true. Nothing happens without God's approval, all right, in the end. But he can do things. (laughs) He's working it all out. And just because you're the mayor doesn't mean you're the king. You get that? And doesn't mean you're infallible. Listen to the, it's more than confidence, it's arrogance. And then I got something to say about where God comes into this. Cut 34 one more time. I'm just going to hear the first portion. I'm prepared for this moment. I built a great team. We are meeting these challenges as they come. And uh, I'm just thankful that I'm here to serve this city and the entire team. My five uh, women right, stop, deputy. Stop, stop, stop. One more time. At the 34, he didn't mention God. I've heard him say that before, though. God made me for this moment. Well, a lot of things can happen. A lot of things can happen. You know, maybe he put you there as incompetent as you are. Oh, is this it? Okay, here, here we go. Cut 35. Every skill I've ever acquired is coming to play right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, from monkeypox to COVID to, you know, asylum seekers. This is a moment where leadership matters. I think the creator knew we were going to have a difficult time. So um, she made sure I was mayor at this time. Uh, okay, she, huh? That's cute. That's cute. What skills? What skills? He has no skills. So, yes, you're the mayor, but that's not the be-all and the end-all, okay? Maybe, just maybe, he made you the mayor so he could see your incompetence, so he can see you fail because he wants better things for this city, that the city will never play this tokenism game again, that we will never be fooled by a big smile and an empty head, okay? Maybe, just maybe, he wants to fire me up enough to get you the hell out of there, Eric Adams. Huh. Yeah. He is in control. And let's just watch what happens. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ah, so what else? Uh, what else indeed? Oh, you want to see something cool? Go to my Twitter, at Greg Kelly USA, at Greg Kelly USA. Uh, Joe Biden uh, totally zones out in the most bizarre way. So he says something offensive for a lot of reasons, but his eyes are just totally zoned out, dazed. He doesn't blink for about a minute. Cut 44. Listen to this. The Capitol Police, the D.C. Metropolitan Police, other law enforcement agencies were attacked and assaulted before our very eyes, speared, sprayed, stomped on, brutalized, and lives were lost. And for three hours, the defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-cop. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-democracy. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-American. So <laughs> what they're trying to do here is uh, basically you can't be pro-Trump and pro-American or pro-cop. Now, I don't think Trump is an insurrectionist. He didn't wage an insurrection. It's all nonsense, but that's what they say. And that's what they're trying to get people to believe, that he was somehow involved in an insurrection. And then you can't be for Trump and be for America. It's a horribly divisive, dishonest thing for uh, a president to do. And 
you know, they're holding out the prospect, the the the, the specter of, of Trump being indicted. Isn't this what they used to say? Oh, this is what banana republics do, uh, sick the authorities on their political opponents. Well, that is what they're doing to Trump. It's specifically what Trump said he would not do and did not do to the other side when he was elected in 2016. Amazing night, wasn't it? A couple of days later, Sunday on 60 Minutes, they asked him point blank, are you going to do what you said you do during the campaign? You're going to prosecute Hillary Clinton. Listen to what he says. Cut 55. You called her crooked Hillary, said you wanted to get in jail. Your people and your audiences kept saying, lock him up. Yeah. Well, uh, she do did, you want she to did put some a, bad things. I mean, she I did know, some bad things. I know, but a special prosecutor? You I think don't want to might... hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. They're, they're good people. I don't want to hurt them. Hey. He doesn't want to hurt them, and he didn't. There was no special prosecutor appointed. There was, uh, there was no task force. Let him off the hook. He let them off the hook. Maybe he shouldn't have. Look at what they put him through. Look at what they've done to him. Someone told me, very wise person, this was his big mistake, actually, not following through. Remember in the debate? I have to say something, and I hope it's not true. I hate to say it, but I have to say it. If I am elected... I will appoint a prosecutor to look into your situation. (laughs) I thought it was great. Remember when she said, well, it's a very good thing that Donald Trump isn't in charge of uh, law enforcement in this country. And he said, because you'd be in jail. (laughs) It was an awesome moment, but it was just a moment. It was just rhetoric. And I understand. I I actually agree with the president, President uh, Trump, that is not hassling Hillary. I understand where he was coming from next time around. I don't know. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Christine in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome back. Hi. Good afternoon, sir. Um, On your show, you mentioned some things they do different in China. Well, here's a couple more. China does not teach social engineered learning to the kids in their schools, and their second in command doesn't lead a meeting discussing pronouns and what color, what kind of outfit they're wearing. You're damn right about that. They are not screwing around. Did you see those pictures I had last night? I had the Russians with Nixon, and the Russians, when they were negotiating, were always drinking, fooling around. They were very emotional. But the Chinese, this is according to Nixon and Monica Crowley, very, very disciplined, mission-focused. They did not have time. They had no interest in the silliness. They wanted power, and they wanted money for their people. And look at where they are now. Look at where they are now. And they did. They evolved. They, you know, they went from the proletariat class and they developed a middle class. Why? Because a country with a great big middle class is stable, less likely to revolt and more powerful. Christine, they don't screw around with this stuff, but we do. It's a big mistake. You may not like Donald Trump. I actually urge you to watch a couple of speeches. I already mentioned the July 4th speech from 2020. Find any rally, but I think yesterday was, was particularly effective. It's not a rally. He's speaking at some, uh, I don't know, some ballroom in Washington, D.C., and there's no big crowd yelling and screaming. It is a common-sense platform, totally common-sense, conservative in the truest and best sense of the word. Christine, anything else? Well, I'm just going to say I, I don't get caught up in this pronoun stuff. That's another coming from our activist on the left about this. That's another agenda they're shoving down our throats. I 
put an end to this. I want to push back on it. I appreciate it. Christine, by the way, happens to be transgender, happens to be uh, quite conservative and reasonable and logical about all this stuff and doesn't want it thrust upon kids. Christine, we respect your decisions and your viewpoints. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, this really is something. This really is something. The uh, total overreaction to George Floyd. Everything was turned upside down. And here's where we are. A punk beats up a New York City police officer. A New York City police officer, uh, unfortunately, puzzlingly, but uh, understandably, has to take a portion of this beating, it seems, because he doesn't want to break the law and touching this guy in the wrong way, defending himself in our crazy city council, New York, uh, run by this crazy woke city council. He could easily get into trouble if he engages this guy in the wrong way, grabs his torso, this, that, and the other thing. Impossible, impossible to keep track of the restrictions in the heat of the moment. Oh, this guy, you've seen the videotape by now. Well, listen to this. He is this, this, the... Uh, the person in the video, the criminal, 16 years old, allegedly punched a cop. This is in the New York Post in a Manhattan subway station, was free to strike after being sprung without bail in a violent robbery just a few days earlier. The boy, who is not being identified because he's a minor, was, although I have a picture of him right here, um, was freed on his own. And you know what? When you're 16 years old, you're a man. Maybe we, I mean, and I've heard of 16-year-olds being charged as adults all the time. When do, where is the cutoff? Where should the cutoff be? 14, 13? Maybe 13 would be a good place. I don't know. The boy, who was not being identified, uh, was freed on his own recognizance following his bust on Wednesday on allegations that he and three others jumped a 49-year-old man on a midtown street, punching the victim and running off with his cell phone. Prosecutors with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office requested that he be released with intensive community monitoring at his arraignment, though they could have requested bail on the top robbery charge. Again, this is all last week, last Wednesday, before he beat up this cop. A few days later, on Saturday, the boy was arrested for the subway incident in which he was caught on camera violently attacking a Manhattan cop after allegedly jumping a turnstile at the 125th Street Lexington Avenue station in Harlem. Remind me to stay the hell away, well, not only from that station, from any station. If you can afford it, don't go down there. Hey, you know what has not helped? This COVID nonsense and the masks. You know, they still insist that you wear masks on the bus and subway. You know what that makes it really easy to be? A criminal. You know, in the old days, you know, classically, the bad guys wore masks. Well, now you can't tell the bad guys from the good guys, huh? The teen was released again without bail Sunday, and the case was transferred to family court, where proceedings are hidden from public view under the state's Raise the Age law enacted in 2017. The majority of cases involving 16 and 17-year-olds are now diverted directly to family court. Thank you very much, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, During a hearing on Tuesday, prosecutors said they hoped the robbery case would also be moving to family court. At their request, a judge sent the teen to St. John's, which is a non-secure detention facility in Queens, where he'll have a 6 p.m. curfew. Uh, You can't do anything during the... (laughs) Nothing bad happens during the daylight hours. 
Of course not. Just just get home by six. Hmm. Uh, he'll be subject to monitoring. Mo- what ankle bracelet monitoring? What what kind of monitoring? Community monitoring. Monitoring. What is that? The people have not obtained supporting depositions that is required to transfer this case to family court. Assistant District Attorney Ava Dowdell said during the hearing in Manhattan Supreme Court, we are asking the court to transfer the defendant to the care of St. John's residence. Again, where he'll be free to walk around all day long. Judge uh, Drysdale agreed. I'm going to be releasing you on your own recognizance because the people have asked me to release you on your own recognizance, Drysdale told the teen. I just said to you, I'm releasing you to St. John's. Stern in her demeanor. Ooh, that's going to frighten people. Judge Drysdale repeatedly asked the teen if he understood the conditions of his release to the St. John's facility. Each time he responded, yes, Your Honor. They're always goody two-shoes in court. At the end of the hearing, (laughs) oh, this, you know, I heard about this, so this really happened. At the end of the hearing, the boy asked the court, am I allowed to press charges? Am I? I allowed to press charges. Press charges against who? The judge replied. The teen did not give a clear answer. The boy did not answer reporters' questions as he left the courthouse with his attorney Tuesday. He is due back in court Friday when prosecutors expect to be able to move the case to family court. At 16, the teen falls within the so-called raise the age law meant to keep young people accused of crimes out of the adult system. And on the street, it seems, the legislation increased the age of criminal responsibility from 16 to 18 throughout the state. That was a very, very, very silly move. Under the 16- and 17-year-old provision, suspects are sent to family court as long as their cases don't involve a violent felony with a deadly weapon, a sex crime, or significant physical injury to their victim. I saw this guy choking that cop. You know, your arm, if you put it around somebody's neck, that can be a deadly weapon. The late night larceny on East 40th Street, Madison Avenue, left the victim with cuts to his head and hand. The teen's case has prompted outrage from cops with the Patrolman Benevolent Association sharing video of the transit system beating. Cops are putting ourselves on the line to make the subway safer, but we are feeling abandoned by the justice system that won't back us up. Mayor Eric Adams said during a press conference, who the hell cares what he said? Again, you know what about him? He is acting like he is a, a bystander. You know, he's like, um, he's like, he's got like a radio show and he just, he's just outraged by things and he calls attention to things. He's the freaking mayor. But no, he's like a little boy dressed up in a pilot suit, taking beautiful pictures in the, in the cockpit of a beautiful American Airlines Passenger jet. Isn't this nice? He's going on vacation. Maybe to Barbados. Let's let him sit in the pilot seat for a little while. Eric, why don't you why don't you put your hand on the steering wheel and pretend you're flying the plane? Now put your hand on a button and pretend you're in charge. He doesn't know what any of those buttons do. That's the problem. He does not know what the hell is going on. A uh, spokesman for the Manhattan DA's office insisted that intensive community monitoring was the appropriate pretrial determination in the robbery case. Citing the teen's age, which was 15 at the time, what was his birthday yesterday, Uh, that he had no previous arrests that they knew of. 
Okay, he robs somebody one day, beats him up, and then beats up a cop three days later. I think these are special circumstances. Police sources have said the boy has a sealed case from April in which he was released after allegedly being found in a car with a loaded gun and a crossbow in Brooklyn. Our system must respond to children as children, said spokeswoman Emily Tuttle. You look at this kid. I'm sorry. You can be 16 years old and six foot six inches tall. Hey, have you seen Baron Trump? I I love that kid, but uh, you know he I, I'd hate to have him angry at me. He is he's about six six and he's still growing. What is he? Sixteen, fifteen. Um, but bail is meant to ensure a suspect's return to court. Tuttle said, noting the teen did show up to his hearing on Tuesday. Addressing the boys' subway assault arrest, Tuttle said the DA's office was seeking age-appropriate interventions. Violence against our police officers is unacceptable. You know who used to say that a lot? Um, Bill de Blasio. It's unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. Unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Hmm. Hey, uh, this has got to be, this has got to be a joke. This can't be true. There is a restaurant in Portland offering segregated seating for white customers and black customers so that the black customers can feel as though they are in a safe space in our racist society. Please tell me this is a joke. Please, this can't this has got to be fake news. No, no. Are we going to go there again, are we taking, are we really taking these giant steps, leaps, going back light years? Is this happening? Is this our country? My God. All right. I am going to put that over there. It's got to be fake news. It can't be real. And there are some fake news stories out there. You ever see those little things you click on and, uh, oh, this looks like an interesting story. And then it takes you through like 10 ridiculous odd stories. All they're doing is... Um, spying on you and, and checking out all your all of your data. Um, uh, yeah. And Governor Hochul, by the way, is just coasting. She's going to coast. Two people told me the strategy of Governor Hochul and Eric Adams, basically to do nothing, to enjoy the office, to do nothing. They're relying on the demographics of New York, New York City, New York State, to get them over the finish line. If they do anything, they just incur risk. They just incur risk. They do something. It could be wrong. They can't determine the outcome. They don't know. So they're going to play it safe. Remember, Eric Adams is just a big mouth airhead. Uh, Kathy Hochul, not as much of a big mouth, but every much the every bit the airhead that Eric Adams is. Aren't I right, Randy? Randy, where are you? Hello. Greg, it's Randy from Croton on the Hudson. How are you? Good. Are you the guy that ran for office? No. All right. So what's I'm up? A plumber. Uh, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, I have a question for you. My question is: Do you, in your recollection, ever remember New York City being in such poor shape as far as violence and crime and and is there a possible way that it can ever come back? In your mind? I mean, in your... Yes. Uh, number one, you... I can remember a time when it was worse. Uh, the mid to late 1980s were pretty damn bad. 
Uh, not only that, I mean, like the subways had essentially been out of commission for a long time. You weren't. And remember the graffiti, uh, the squeegee guys. Remember the um, remember a squeegee guys spit on my window once. Remember, I mean, it was bad. We had something like two thousand homicides a year at one point. I mean, this was and this was happening uh, nationally. You know, crack cocaine. It's a stimulant. Now they're all into the depressants, the heroin, which is more of a sedation, a sedative effect than the stimulants. So, uh, yeah, the 80s. The 80s were definitely worse. However, 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 big however here, our political leadership did not encourage the criminality, did not make alliances with the radicals. You know, I mean, there was... And understanding that the cops are a force for good, that crime is bad, that America was good, that the Russians were bad, that we would ultimately win. You know, right and wrong, political correctness had not taken off. So there was a, even though things were kind of worse and grimier and more dangerous in the streets, in a sense, there was more order. There was more order to society. You know what I mean? And we were judged, I think, more on the merits than what we look like and all this other nonsense we're going. Does that make sense, Randy? That's my view of things. Yeah, it makes sense. But as you said, that that 16-year-old kid that was on the the subway and beat the the man up, and then he had to fight with the police officer. And now he's in court, and he wants to know if he can press charges. But there's people behind him that there are people that would agree with that. That actually would agree with Yeah, that. somebody, I, I think, I, put I that in his head. You know, you could charge these cops for putting a hand on you. Now, some of that stuff is kind of new and different and we haven't seen before. And that's what I mean. We've had crime. We had all kinds of things in the 80s. But there was a general sense of right and wrong. And and there wasn't this idea. Nobody had delegitimized cops. Cops had problems. You know, there were police brutality cases. There was all this stuff. There's always been stuff. There's always going to be some bad cops. But the criminals and the good people understood there was right and wrong. You break the law, you're in trouble. Cops have authority. Cops have power. All that's been taken away. So in some respects, it is worse. But, yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, But I do think we can come back. I do. And I think Democrats, Democrats just might lead the way. You should hear what Trump said yesterday at that speech. Democrats don't like this stuff deep down. They really don't. They're freaked out by it big time. Hey, Randy, I got to go. I'll be right back. Thanks. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Capitol Police, the D.C. Metropolitan Police, other law enforcement agencies were attacked and assaulted before our very eyes, speared, sprayed, stomped on, brutalized, and lives were lost. And for three hours, the defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-cop. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-democracy. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-American. He's trying to scare people, huh? How's that for unifying? What a weird, creepy guy. You know, pro-insurrection. No one's pro-insurrection. We don't like insurrections. It wasn't an insurrection, though. They got to talk it up. They got to hype it up. All right. Those clowns being allowed into the Capitol. They called an insurrection. They blamed Trump for it all. And now they say he's an insurrectionist. And if you support Trump, you're supporting an insurrectionist. And you can't be supportive. You can't say you're a supportive 
of cops. You can't say you're a supporter of America. You're anti-American if you if you support Trump. That's really dangerous stuff. It's really ugly. And it's all contrary to what he promised us he would be, Joe Biden. Do you remember that? January 20th, 2021. My whole soul is in this, uniting our country, bringing us together. He said it. He said it out loud. What does that say about his soul, by the way, huh? What does that say? Hey, uh, so he unloads on Trump all the time. All the time unloads on Trump. Says all kinds of horrible things about him. Um, And listen how the fake news pretends that he doesn't. So right after the speech, what do they say? Here's a... Here are the girls talking on MSNBC. Cut 50. Kristen, you cover the White House every day. You know that this was an unusual speech. It was actually hours later than we expected, put into another event and from his COVID quarantine. So talk to me about the context of what he said about Donald Trump. It was remarkable, Andrea, because you're absolutely right. It is very rare that we hear President Biden take on his predecessor directly. What are you talking about? He does it all the time. In fact, uh, we have, oh, here's about 27 examples. Cut 51. I travel the world trying to put things back together. You know, Trump did not leave a very good situation. During the period of the recession that Trump got us into, we're in a situation where the loss of income to people, middle class and working class Americans is astonishing. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Unlike Trump, I don't shock our allies. So uh, it's pretty much almost an everyday thing. Did you hear what those reporters said? Absolutely. You're so right. It's very unusual. You'll notice, by the way, no matter what the anchor says, no matter how they say it, the reporter almost always says, you're absolutely right. Have <laughs> you ever said, uh, no, that's actually not the case? I mean, you don't want to be rude to the anchor, but there's a way to handle it without saying you're absolutely right. Because uh, it's absolutely wrong to think that Trump is not mentioned by Joe Biden. All the time it happens. All the time. Hey, one other thing. You guys who still watch that Fox News, let me tell you something about them. They are faking you out. They're a bunch of soulless people, just like Joe Biden, Okay. They are afraid of Rupert Murdoch. They are afraid of the mainstream news. They just want to do their solace. Roger Ailes ran that place. He knew what he was doing. He understood America. He understood the audience. These people don't. All right. And they're just flailing around. And I think, quite frankly, the worst offender is that Brett Bear. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Um, talk about a guy. What does he stand for? You know, sounding like this. Uh, uh, trying to appear pompous, trying to appear erudite. I don't understand what makes that guy tick anymore. I never really did. I've I've had about three minutes of conversation with him. I've known him 20 years. I've talked to him for a grand total of three minutes. One of those guys who was always having, uh, always playing golf with the boss. You know what I mean? Never had time for anybody else but the boss. A real political operator. And now, now he's giving Lynn Cheney a pat. He's... They're really giving a hard time to Trump. Remember this about the New York Post, about the Wall Street Journal, about Fox News. They're all owned by Rupert Murdoch. And Rupert Murdoch, I don't get it. It's something between the billionaires. He doesn't like Trump. You know, they totally overreacted. They, nobody seems to understand. If you don't make proactive 
steps, take proactive steps to understand what really happened on January 6th, you will be infected by all of this fake news, which is everywhere. It is everywhere. All right. And tonight, one more time, and I think I'm going to have to make it an every night thing. Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt. Say her name. That 16-year-old punk wrestling on the ground with a cop, putting him in a chokehold, is already walking out, walking around free just as long as he's home by 6, he's okay. Ashley Babbitt is dead. And so many people in this country, they, they think that's triumphant. That was somehow a victory for democracy that she was killed. An unarmed woman, 10 feet away from that cop, Lieutenant Michael Byrd. You are not getting away with this. None of you are. I want justice, okay? We want a real investigation, not the phony baloney whatever the hell you guys did. You know, those Republicans, when they take over, they better fight for justice for Ashley. This cannot stand, okay? No way. And who was the little cop who let them all in? Who were those cops who just stood there as people walked by? And how about the three cops who just walked off for a coffee break before Ashley was shot, huh? We want to know about that. Give me a moment. I'll be back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, I'm gathering my thoughts uh, more and more. Uh, Not necessarily a good thing to be so introspective and thinking about yourself, but uh, who knows, sooner or later I might get around to writing a memoir and I've been uh, jotting down some thoughts. Uh, Now, the best thing before that is I am back in the ritual of reading the Bible every day. You know, I was, well, long story short, uh, for most of my life I had no clue in 2012, somebody gave me the Bible as a gift. I'm like, when the hell did you become such a church lady? I don't need this. I get what? What are you? What are you? What are you trying to send me a message here? I put it on the shelf, didn't think about it for at least four years. Then uh, I learned how to meditate, transcendental meditation, which is like this. You know, it's like a fad or whatever. But I found it kind of pleasant. Uh, you get up in the morning, and for 20 minutes, you just they give you this word, and you just repeat it over and over again with your eyes closed. And it was nice, but I kept falling asleep. And then I finally, you know, I like getting up in the morning, but I'm falling asleep right away. Uh, You know, I don't know anything about the Bible. Maybe I should. I mean, I took a class in theology and stuff like that, but I really still did not know anything about the Bible. I said, I need to read this. And I have the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. That's the, the gift that I was given back in 2012. And this was the Bible I needed. Uh, It has little footnotes and little essays and it kind of introduces you. Uh, it's the real Bible, but it has little introductory essays and just some of the stuff. Look, the language can be tough in the Bible, and they prepared you for that, and they decoded some of the language, and it was edited, I guess, not edited, but supplement. The person who presented this Bible had it published is Charles Stanley, the reverend out of Atlanta. Just fantastic. It made a huge, huge It made all the difference, all the difference. And then... You know, you get to a great place and you think, okay, I got this. I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you find yourself looking at it less and less and less. And then, yeah, I can handle it. I can handle it. All I know is this. I can't handle a damn thing without him. All right? Without God. I cannot. And he's got it all figured out. He wants certain things from us. He wants to be close to us. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to obey him. And the way to get close to him is... uh, 
you got to start with the Bible, and then, oh boy, you will be overwhelmed by the miracles that occur, and you see it all around you. It's not just, you know, you're not only in touch, believe me, you're not only in touch with God when you read that Bible, all right? Get it? You'll see what I mean. I know you'll see what I mean. So uh, what else is it going to, you know, all right, so let me just tell you this part of the story. Somebody gave me that Bible right after I went through that uh, situation in early 2012 where I was falsely accused of a uh, sexual assault. Now, that was a very, very, very traumatic experience, okay? Uh, it was totally false. And one of the great things about New York, New York understood it right away. They saw those allegations. They understood immediately this guy is being, this is unfair. He's being framed, and we're on his side. You could just tell the basic facts of the story. Now, there are things about that story that I'm not proud of, okay? I was very promiscuous, quite frankly. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know. It sounds a little old-fashioned or whatever, but I was. And um, I found myself in a spot that I should not have been in. Uh, But there I was. And I did not do anything, (laughs) anything against the law, certainly. You know, was I doing things that were not good for me long-term? Absolutely. Was I doing things that the world celebrates all the time? Like in that show, Two and a Half Men? Yeah, think Two and a Half Men. That was my life. That's the kind of life I was leading. So <laughs> this, uh, this thing happens. It's in the, on the front page of all the newspapers. And I, uh, I uh, had a bit of, uh, <laughs> it left a mark. It left a mark. It really did. Uh, interestingly, curiously, during the crisis itself, you know, I find out that the cops, you know, this, that, the investigators, they want to talk to me. It's I got to get a lawyer. During the crisis itself, I handled it well. I'm I'm actually proud of the way I conducted myself. I'm proud of the, you know, the worst thing in the world happens. You think you're going to lose your mind. Nope. I kept calm. I kept cool. I made good decisions. I talked to uh, good people. And I was guided throughout that process. And then it was only two weeks. It felt like a lifetime. But two weeks later, life was officially back to normal. Um, Prosecutors determined that (laughs) this is a joke case. This poor guy did nothing wrong. They put out a letter that even the liberal press characterized as a total exoneration. A total and complete exoneration. But... I uh, I don't know. I didn't feel exonerated. I felt I felt a lot of shame. I felt strange. Everything was different. Everything was different for a long time. Anyway, right around that point, uh, my friend, a good friend of mine, presented me with that Bible, and I my reaction was, "What are you talking about? I what? What do I need this? Don't you understand? I am a victim here." I did. I didn't. I am a victim. I kept saying that I am a victim, and then, and I thought about it, and I felt sorry for myself, and I started drinking more, and then, you know, I was telling somebody else my my tale of woe, and I'm like, you know, can you believe this? I am a victim. I am a victim, and um, and then I had this thought, you know, I was pretty promiscuous. Was I being punished for being so promiscuous and doing all this stuff? And somebody I know said to me, you know, you weren't being punished, but God may have been trying to get your attention. And I said, wait a second, what? 
Really? It works that way? Oh, yes, it does. It works that way. He can get your attention? He'll do something and just to get your attention. Yes, he will. And it could even be something bad? Oh, yes, 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 it can be. And I was like, wow. But, of course, I said, well, whatever. I'm a victim. But slowly but surely, uh, even a dope like me could figure it out that God is real and he has a plan for me, he's a plan for you, he wants us closer, he wants us to obey, and and it's been an extraordinary, it's been the best journey, it really has, and I never in a million years would have imagined that I would be telling you this in this kind of detail, ever. This is, but it's all because of uh, him, his goodness, his grace, Jesus, you know, you can't, I used to be, oh, I gave, I gave money to a homeless guy. I'm all right. You know, oh, I, uh, I volunteered. I, I'm a good person. You got to, no, that's not what makes you good in the eyes of the Lord. That's, <laughs> you can't outgive God. You can't do things to impress him. It doesn't work that way. You understand who God is, who his son is, and then uh, it all comes to, it, 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 it's so freeing. So, I have to, there's so much more I, I have to learn and know, but uh, I encourage you to start this journey. Hey, one little, if, if, if this is not for you, and believe me, it is, but one little thing that I conquered in all of this that gets people's attention, I stopped drinking. I did not develop a problem drinking until later in life. It's like in my 40s, you know, a lot of you kids out there, you know, part of me, part of me is kind of jealous you make your mistakes when you're 19, 20 years old. Fine. Nobody cares. The consequences aren't that high. I was making my mistakes as, at 42. That's not when you want to be experimenting, all right? That's not when you want to figure out, wait a second, uh, you don't have a martini after a glass of wine? No, no. What do you say? Uh, wine after liquor. Lick, liquor after wine, never sicker. Something like that. All right, enough about me. Oh, well, I have to write a memoir, and I'll get back to that some other time. All right, um, who is this in Ocean County? What's your name? Min, 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 what? Hi. The Ocean County caller. Manak- Hi, who is this? Yes, <laughs> Manakom, my name is Manakom. Yes. All right, they misspelled your name. name. Sorry, what's up? Hi, how are you? Um, first of all, amazing show as always, um, and I'm sorry about your story. Um, I just wanted to make a point. Um, once you mentioned about God, I guess I'll just say this first. That if you think about it, I think, you know, it's my theory maybe, but I think that Trump losing and the Democrats winning, especially all three divisions of, of government, was kind of the best thing we, could, we needed right now. So sandwich Trump, liberal, as a, and then hopefully Trump or somebody else afterwards. But you'll, they completely expose themselves in a way that I think it's, it's not, they can't repair. But that's just a, a point. But um, I mean, you had the, the friction of Trump where the Democrats said, okay, we got to, they, they exposed all their retarded behavior. And then... Now they're getting to really well. Listen, hey, relax. You got. I I agree with you, but let's not use that word. But I agree with you about they expose themselves. Absolutely, Menachem. Keep going. Anyways, um, I just wanted to point out, like we talk about, you know, uh, we're, we're considered conspiracy theorists because we say, you know, we talk about the deep state and all these things. Nobody's saying, you know, let's take the, you know, the racial, the racist movement for a second, right? It, it was if you're if you're in politics and you're a leader and you see, oh, my policies are not working, it's a no-brainer to say, okay, I'm gonna create this minority or create minorities in our country, and I'm gonna continue to perpetuate the idea that they're 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 despised and they're hated, and eventually they'll vote for me. This is like if you're falling off a cliff, this is your obvious. So nobody's saying the morons in Congress are actually 
smart enough to think this. Maybe the billionaires realize all this, but do me a favor. Sure, you sure. got look. You said you just said something brilliant, but you got to say it again a little bit slower. The last part. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, so I'm trying to say that all the movements that are going on, all the and, and especially the trans thing. I think the trans movement, of course, it starts with an idea from the people. No, but the but part about, right you know, away, that you get these people yeah. to think a certain way so they'll vote yeah, well, in a certain way. Say that thing. again. It's the same thing. It started off with racism. When, right away when the liberals saw the blacks would be, I mean, first they wanted a profit off them being their slaves. But right away when they saw that they would be free and they'd be potential voters, it immediately changed into, oh, wow, we can take a group of people and we will continue to harp on the fact that they're oppressed and they will be permanent voters for our party. So we can save ourselves because we can't we don't have policies that work, but we can save ourselves by perpetuating a hate which lasted for 40 years or even more than that. And eventually the gay, lesbian, trans, and I'm nothing and I'm not trying to make an opinion, but of course these are movements that started from people, but right away the the pol- politicians seize this opportunity to say, "Wow, we can make another we can create a new group of people. We can create a new Former people. I mean, this is this is so obvious. And All right, Menachem, listen, you got brilliant stuff. This is brilliant stuff, brilliant observations. Do me a favor. You got to start writing this stuff down, okay? Write it down, put it online, think about it, write a book, uh, get your word out there. You are on to a lot of very you're 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 right. Keep going. Thank you. Muncie is in New Jersey. Hi, Muncie. Now, just because someone is elected to a position of leadership does not make them a leader, as far as Biden and Adams. Uh, I just want to say that. And as far as the subway, the 16-year-old in the subway, it doesn't surprise me. It shouldn't surprise anyone. If you have no consequences for bad behavior, in a way you're rewarding bad behavior. And in rewarding bad behavior, it's going to be repeated. Uh, I am not going to disagree, Muncie. Hey, Muncie, what's up with that name again? Uh, That's my nickname. My wife's Mickey. I'm Muncie. No. I grew up in the Bronx. That was my nickname. Yeah, I know, but why? Uh, I don't know. We like nicknames. I know, I but what is it? Why, why Muncie? I don't know. Someone just says, "Okay, you're going to be Muncie." I know, but me. it's got to be. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be. What, what's your? I mean, does it? Is it a play on your real name? What? What the hell does it mean? No, my real name's Bob. I don't understand. Okay, what? They just pulled it out of thin air. You're Muncie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, That's there's some reason. Can you find the guy who started calling you that and figure out what the hell happened? What? what? Uh, I think he's in jail or he's uh, he's dead. <laughs> uh, well, if he's in jail, he should be. You know, he's findable. And they love getting letters. Those guys. All right, Muncie. Thank you very much. Oh, wait a second. I got to go to North Carolina real quick. You know, I used to live in North Carolina. Gail is on the line. Thank you, Gail. Where in uh, North Carolina are you? In a town called Fuquay Verena that we never heard. We're from the Bronx originally. We're here just seven weeks, and we never heard of it until we uh, found a really nice place to live down here. Where is it? It's outside of Raleigh, Durham. Everybody is near Raleigh. You ever notice that? There are two places that anyone's <laughs> yeah. from, Raleigh or Charlotte, uh, which is not where we're I would live. the Bronx, and now we're from here. All right, so you like it so far? Love it. Life is really, really nice down here. You can park your car like in the driveway. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What's the biggest change? What's the biggest advantage? Uh, the biggest advantage is I, I think just like a slower pace of life. Our car insurance the whole year costs less than six months in in Riverdale in the Bronx. Um, it's there's a lot of uh, they really love veterans. When we take a four and a half mile walk every day, it's American flag after American flag after American flag outside all the homes. 
We took our same walk in Riverdale. If we saw three or four flags on the whole four and a half miles, we were like, oh, great. Look, we saw four flags. All right. Well, hey, I got to tell you right now, I mean, it's not, I know what you mean, but I happen to be looking at three flags right now, right flying on top of Smith and Walensky's Steakhouse at 49th and 3rd Avenue. Just noticing that. Three flags outside of one restaurant, and they're all American flags. No Black Lives Matter flags or anything like that. And, oh, by the way, great steaks, great people, great food, and not that I care, but it happens to be very diverse inside. All right, Gail, what did you want to say? Well, last week, Merrick Garland was saying uh, he was reluctant to dig deeper into the Hunter Biden investigation because it's getting close to the midterms. This week, he's trying to create crimes against Donald Trump. So once again, I mean, there's so much real evidence of wrongdoing with all the Bidens. Ooh, you know what? That's so good, though. You're right. Wait, 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 wait. He said that about Hunter. He said out that out loud. I don't want to do it because we're close to the midterms. Are you sure? All right. You just gave me a little nugget for the show. You gave me something because I that's great. So obviously he's being political. All right. He's doubling down about Trump. And oh, wow. This guy is a snake. Do me a favor, Gail. Uh, Does your cable down there get Newsmax? Make it happen. All right. I'll be right back. Thank thank you. You do. All right. Good. I'm, I'm late. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, the uh, Live Golf Tournament is coming to Bedminster. Live, what is this all about? Who's the golf guy back there? Rich, you are, Kevin, you know golf? All right, so there's going to be the Live Golf International Tournament at Trump Bedminster, the second most prestigious tournament of the year, only behind the Masters. Is this true? Uh, Kevin, you like golf. What's the deal? Yeah, so the uh, the Live Golf Series is backed by a Saudi Arabia uh, Investment Fund. Uh, which is getting a lot of controversy around the United States, uh, especially families from the 9-11 of tax are showing uh, protests against the league for okay. that tournament. Can I just point out something about this? The <laughs> We are friends with the Saudi government. We are. The Saudi government is an ally of America. Trump went to Saudi Arabia. Biden went to Saudi Arabia. Obama went to Saudi Arabia. Bush went to Saudi Arabia. You know, after the 9-11 attacks, Saudi Arabia helped us attack Afghanistan and they helped us attack Iraq. You know how I feel about Iraq. You also know how I feel about 9-11. Now, the hijackers, a lot of them were from Saudi Arabia. But, you know, we got a lot of, you know, we, we, we got Antifa. We got all kinds of bad people in America. I can't vouch for everybody in this country. I don't think the Saudis can vouch for everybody in their country. They hated bin Laden, the Saudi government. They kicked him out. They do a lot of bad things to their people. We talked about this, but I don't know. I think that's uh, – and I want the 9-11 families to receive all the compensation they deserve. And if the Saudis should have done more, if they were at all negligent in uh, allowing any of these people out of the country, have at it. But I don't think there was a maliciousness, and I don't think that they were behind it. Uh, and I don't think I'm wrong about that. No one's more pro-America, America first. But uh, it is a world. It's an international. I, I have no, I, I, quite frankly, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. Give me a call. What does live mean anyway? L-I-V. What? 
You can tell me if you don't know. Just say something. I have no idea. You have no idea. Live. The Live Tournament, Bedminster, a uh, bunch of rich Saudis, and I guess they've poached, right? That's the word. They poached some of the great American golfers. Like who, by the way? Who are the good Americans that are playing did they take some good ones? No, yeah, they got a couple of good ones. They got Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, very popular in the PGA Tour. Dustin Johnson was a top five ranked golfer in the world. Did they kick them all out of the PGA? Yeah, so they did. Uh, the PGA is actually punishing these guys for uh, leaving this league, um, as well as taking them out of the official golf rankings. Oh, uh, screw them. The PGA, what a bunch of snobby bitches. Excuse me, but they are, right? The PGA... I can't stand golf. I want nothing to do with it, to be honest. I really don't. I hope they have a great tournament, but I could care less. It's too slow. Uh, I, I'm not good at it. I miss the ball. Um, am I wrong on any of this stuff? I, uh, Larry's in Brooklyn. Hello. Hi, Greg. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say first, the preliminary, that you know I'm Jewish, and your analysis of how God works was like right on. I mean, I, I experienced and I believe the exact. You were totally right on about the lessons and everything. Having said that, I want, I, want to, I want to say something about Ashley uh, Babbitt because uh, I believe God has given me a peculiar ability to really decipher. You say call for an investigation. I don't need an investigation. I know what, what happened. You see, I know what happened because by looking at the video of Michael Byrd as he raised his wrist gradually, that was premeditated. He raised it in a slow, premeditated form. Not only that, but his bracelet. Look, he was wearing a bracelet. It was dangling. The, he had jewelry on that was dangling as he murdered someone point blank. They wanted to, a, a dead body. All right, wait, what does the jewelry have to do with anything? The jewelry is what gives me, now excuse me for waxing a little bit, gives me a psychic indication of what's going on. It embellishes. Okay, it's sort of like uh, circumstantial evidence of calmness, of rationality. He he was wearing he he was embellished with jewelry. You wouldn't see that if this was a shootout, like a bank robbery at a shootout with the FBI. Would you see the guy's bracelet, the FBI's agent's bracelet, as he shot the, as he shot the uh, robbers? You wouldn't see that. The point of the matter being is, I saw it for a reason, because they wanted a body. They wanted a, they, the Democrats wanted somebody to get killed, and I'll tell you why. So they could they call it a deadly. They could call it a deadly event and blame it on Trump. That's uh, of course, and you know what? You know what facilitated them to do that because these Capitol police officers are peculiar in the fact that they are allowed to assume if they see somebody running from a distance, they're allowed to assume that the person is armed and shoot to kill because they're defending specifically Congress people. How, how do you know? You is that in writing? Do you know that for a fact? Well, I, I learned. I heard that a long time ago. All right, be careful ago. about what we've heard, all right? Because I don't, I don't think that's necessarily – just be careful about what you hear. Look, you need an investigation. I, I, got, I got you at the hunch, and you have given me something to think about regarding the – I got to look at the hand and how it comes up. I do think the order may have been, and the order coming from the guy behind him, like nobody gets past that door. The moment somebody gets past that door, shoot. Although, from what I can tell, she didn't get past that door. So the whole damn thing is crazy. You do need an investigation. I mean, dude, we can't just go off of, you know, the the impressions you have of the bracelet. You understand this. Come on. Larry? You know, I was, yeah. No, we, we need, we need, look, I mean, we can't just grab Lieutenant Michael Byrd and, you know, throw him in jail. There's got to be a process. There's got to be due process, okay? Of course. All right. Absolutely. You're right. No, 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 no. But listen, interesting stuff about the jewelry and the hand coming up. 
Very interesting. Um, I appreciate it, Larry. Everything else good? Everything else is great. By the way, if you want brilliance, look up Ed, Dr. Edward Weisberg of Virginia Tech. All right, Dr. Edward Weiss of Virginia Tech. I'll check it out. I'll see you tonight on Newsmax. Thank you, everybody.